0: Hello friends and welcome to this week's edition of In-Depth with Beth and Seth, a podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis. My name is Seth Patterson and I am your minister for spiritual formation and theater. And we are joining together today to talk about our colleague Dwayne's Sermon from March 27th, 2022, the last Sunday of March in this Lenten season. And Dwayne preached a sermon called, It's Safe to Come Home Again. This is from Luke chapter 15. What people often know is this is the story of the prodigal son. And I'm glad to be here with my colleague and friend, Beth Hoffman-Faith. Hello, Beth.
1: Hello, Seth. And hello, everyone. I am Beth Hoffman-Faith, and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship. And I am looking forward to talking about this sermon uh, with you, Seth, because it's a story, as Dwayne acknowledged, that is familiar to many. Even if one doesn't have a church background, they know maybe some, it's one of those biblical stories that people are aware of, even if they don't have experience with the church.
0: I'm glad you're eager to talk about it. This would be a laborious time together if, if you were not.
1: There are so many layers to the story. And <laughs> one of the gifts of scripture, and I think we've said this before, is that it depends on every time you hear it, you may hear a different nuance. It takes on a different meaning. You bring your own experience of life to the scripture and suddenly a story you've read a hundred times offers a new understanding because of what you are currently walking through in your own life. And I think this particular biblical passage really offers that to us.
0: So are you suggesting that the receiver of the story and where that person is, is as important to the sermon as the words that are being put out? That where you might be or somebody else might be, might be different and you hear the same words in different ways?
1: That is absolutely what I'm saying. Whoa. As preachers, we often get feedback. And over the years, I have always been... Sort of startled, but in a positive way, when someone will say to me, boy, I felt like you were talking just to me today, what you said I really needed to hear, or boy, I can really resonate. I had someone say to me yesterday that this was the best sermon, the sermon preached yesterday by Duane, that he had ever heard. And he has heard thousands of sermons. And I am aware that people are bringing their own stuff to the moment and they're receiving a message that they then take personally. And I am aware that I believe this person was really taking this message personally because of a road that they are now traveling in their life. And that that's powerful. That's the power of, of preaching. And it's also incredibly humbling as a preacher.
0: How so? How is that humbling?
1: Well, it's always humbling for me to bring a message forth. I know it is a, both a privilege and it can be sometimes a burden because we're invited to open up scripture in new ways and reveal sometimes an obvious message and something, sometimes something that's buried. And it's always a good feeling to know that something that I've said strikes a chord, resonates, impacts a listener. Because I believe you and I have talked about this before, Seth. Sometimes we're not so sure about that when we step into the pulpit.
0: <laughs> often, often not so sure about that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> we, uh, we trust what we, what we bring forth. We don't always know how it's going to land. Sometimes we take great risk. Other times we take sort of the the safer path. And I am humbled by the fact that people are actually listening to what I say. Yes, And being attentive to my words and thoughts and ideas Mm -hmm. and perspective. That's why it's humbling. I do not take it for granted.
0: I agree with you. I feel the same way. And I think it's important for our listeners to know that not everybody receives the same they might be the same words said in the same order, but every set of ears and experiences receives them, and they and they take on different lives. And that's a really I think important thing to hear. This is not a formula. This is not math in which two plus two always equals four. Correct. We put something out, and what happens to it? It's it's out of our mouths. Who knows?
1: Yes, because what people hear is not always, maybe not often what well, we intended we to, intend say. to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's the other humbling piece of preaching is that you one the preacher has really no control over how the words are going to be interpreted yeah and that's where the power of post-sermon conversations comes in because then new perspectives are revealed and it's a it's a humbling office we have indeed as a
0: yeah go say something important but it's going to depend on me on how it's received.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and this story is about coming home, coming yeah. back. And I know, Seth, that you've been thinking a lot about this in the concept of coming back to church, right? After yeah. this time, in, in this time of pandemic. Did you make any connections between the sermon and that thought? And I know you offered up a couple of announcements yesterday that you were hoping people might really take to heart. Can you yeah. tell a little bit about that?
0: To put this in context, we, we are in the pandemic time, the church was closed to people being inside and we did everything uh, in a virtual way for the first year, a little bit more. And then last summer, we started, we did things in person together outside, and then we were in-person inside. And then after Christmas, because of the Omicron surge in January, we went back to live stream only. And so there's something about this moment right now because of the time of the pandemic, because of just where we are in a trough of the waves and maybe the the season. It It, it feels, people are feeling as if this is somehow a different return. Like, we are back to some modified version of the previous era.
1: Mm.
0: The before times, as I like to say. And so I've been hearing a lot of people say to me some version of, well, now that we're back, how do we get more people here? And last week we didn't do a podcast because the service was the Bluegrass Mass with Monroe Crossing. And a lot of people more than show up on a typical Sunday were there. And I think it heartened Members of this congregation, and when they returned this week, and there were not that many people again and that many guests, there was, I think it was uh deflating to some. Mm. Anyway, I've had a lot of people in the last month or couple weeks, and especially the last week, say some version of, Well, how do we get more people back? It was so good to be here. How do we get more people here? And I have a few responses to this one is, Yes. And how wonderful it is that several hundred people showed up. In March of 2022, several hundred people decided to come together on a Sunday morning and not watch it at home. That is a gift. So part of it is a shift. I need to shift it into a gratitude mindset. But what I said in both sermons was a version, or not sermons, announcements, was some version of, we will continue to do this service to the highest level of our ability. You invite people back. You invite people to come with you. If there are people that you don't see here sitting with you, reach out to them and ask why. Invite them to come with you. This is your church. And if you want more people here, you have a role in this. And that seems to be confusing.
1: Well, it's also very much relational to Duane's message because Duane's message yesterday is about the power of grace and compassion and how that is modeled in the story of the prodigal son but he takes it a step further and that he invites us as a church to consider, are we, he says, are we willing to throw open our arms and doors with grace and compassion and celebrate them? Meaning people who are coming back, no matter what they have done or how dissolute their, their pasts have been. Are we ready to do that? And it's a complicated place to be the one both coming back to church and also being charged to be the inclusive welcomer too, mm-hmm. you know, because I think people are coming back because they've missed this community. They miss the ritual of, of Sunday morning worship. They receive something in that time that encourages and challenges them on their way. But now they're also being charged to be the ones to fling open the doors and invite people in. I don't know. It's, it seems like a tenuous place to be for many people. So I have a lot of tenderness and compassion for those people who are wondering if now is the time to come back, if, if it's safe, how it will feel, because we mm-hmm. all know it will be different. And yet I believe that the only way we will become fully whole is if we do exactly what Dwayne charged us to do yesterday and be that, that model, that representative, as he says We are God's representatives of grace and compassion. And are we going to do that? Are we going to offer that to the world, to the community on Sunday mornings? And what does that look like?
0: Those are great questions.
1: (laughs) Well, and so, yes. And then, so uh, maybe a part of the conversation about we having to be the inviters of people to come back to church and to say, it is good to be together. And this is an important place to be on Sunday mornings, this intentional time of making meaning together. We have to both model grace and compassion to those who are not sure yet, and then we have to charge the ones we're inviting to be the models too.
0: Yeah, we get to practice. Here's an opportunity to practice grace and compassion and welcomeness mm-hmm. and forgiveness and hospitality and all these things. We have the opportunity to practice that and not just receive it, but to be the agents of doing it.
1: Right. And in fact, Duane says, he also said this in his sermon that made me pause he says, we are uncomfortable when grace and compassion seems to abolish justice.
0: Whoa. I know.
1: I know. I really, really was affected by that. Thought about it the rest of the day. Asked you about it before we started recording. What's your response to that, Seth?
0: My response is that, as you know, multi-layered. <laughs> One of them is I appreciate any time that a word that starts to take on sort of a uh the word justice in our current moment of culture started to take on a bit of a catch-all for a lot of different things. It, it stands in for fairness and equity, and doing the right thing, and reckoning with systems of of oppression. Like justice starts to take on those those words. So I appreciated the breaking open of that concept a bit because justice, also in its more literal way, is the the meeting out of of response to an uh, to a thing oftentimes a punitive response to some sort of mistake or aggression or problem and it's the scales right this much happens so what do we do back mm. and so i i i'm very curious how it landed with listeners without the qualifier of punitive justice or retributive justice or some sort of qualifier just the word justice mm how that landed on listeners who who might be already struggling with that word and what it means. We, You and I hear often, or well, maybe not often, occasionally that people say, oh, Plymouth is just so focused on racial justice or justice or social justice. If that is your mindset, how does that sentence, what does that do to you? That's what I want to know.
1: Yes. And my follow-up question would be then, well, what is Plymouth saying about grace and compassion? How are we promoting that? Yeah, and while you were talking, I was thinking. So the son comes back ready and prepared to ask for forgiveness, expecting, I think, anticipating justice. However, that might look. Yeah. Instead, you took,
0: you failed, you screwed up. You will receive this much consequence to those actions.
1: Right, and instead receive something very different. Yeah. Than his expectation, much to the chagrin of the other son.
0: Yeah, I the thing one something that I really appreciated and I hadn't thought about before was how we are in Dwayne helped us help me see that we are in a culture of older brotherness that mm. our culture is one that really mirrors the older brother. I hadn't quite ever put that together,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: we want explanation as to why we want somebody to earn their thing. We want culturally and societally, um, but that's not what the story is
1: about. No nor is that what God is about.
0: Exactly. So how do we shift from being a, the cultural, communal, individual older brothers to being the father with grace and compassion?
1: Compassion, Right. Well, it requires us, as Duane says, quoting scripture, that we must come into ourselves. Come back to ourselves. Come back to ourselves. Thank you. Yeah. Well, actually, scripture says when he came to himself, came to himself. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. And Duane took that phrase, came to himself, as as a way, kind of a segue to our Lenten season, reminding us that this is our time to come to ourselves. Lenten is an opportunity for us to really reflect. And what it means to come home to God.
0: There's a liberation in that. You are liberated from habits or stuckness or a certain way of being. I heard that as being a certain amount of, we use the word repentance, which often has a very negative connotation. It just means to turn around, mm-hmm. that the direction you were going, you come to yourself and realize that maybe isn't the direction I should be going. Mm-hmm. And you turn back to compassion, to grace, to God, to, to your home, to the place that you feel is home.
1: Right, and when we can receive that, when we can really own that as being recipients of grace and compassion, it makes it all the more easier to offer it to others. For me, I'm going to ponder that there's many things about this sermon that made it a fine sermon, a really good sermon, but that idea of what it means to come to ourselves and how then, you know, again Duane invites us to to really think about how how is the church representing God's compassion and grace. Yeah, The church meaning us, meaning me. What does that look like? What's my role in that? And then also at the same time, where is my own self-growth and discovery happening in this Lenten season as I come to myself? Lots to think about this week, Seth.
0: Yeah. You didn't ask your question. You didn't didn't ask ask me how. Are you okay? Uh, Do you need...
1: Do You need help? Well, I know our time is limited, so
0: <laughs> we are we are out of time.
1: Well, <laughs> we are out of time, but it's a good question. Maybe our listeners will will respond and give us give us all the other hows that this could happen, uh, especially at Plymouth Church.
0: Wonderful question. How do you give grace and compassion, and how do you receive it? Thank you, friends. Appreciate spending some time with you. Look forward to hearing from you if you have questions or comments or want to talk more we are always available be well